So. <sighs> well, Mel, talk since uh, the last presser, but uh, not looking great since then. Um, can we might as well just jump into it, I guess. Yeah, I was a little bit late. Today was the BC Poly Presser, and I was a little bit late to it because I uh, was at work, of course, <laughs> and uh, went away to that and stayed engaged with that until that was over because uh, my work always comes first. So, yes. <laughs> uh, I, so I caught the tail end of it. Um, so I'll pull into where I did come. So when I approached the presser from behind about halfway through of course, uh, as I was opening it, it, we were at the part where she was opening gyms, which is, you know, mm-hmm. pretty much what I've been saying is about to happen, um, that they're going to pull all of the restrictions, which uh, is actually even sooner than I estimated on the podcast in yeah. a couple months ago. I said that the variant was going to demolish us in January and then they would probably pull restrictions in March, but no, it's actually demolishing us in January and they're pulling restrictions in January. <laughs> it's just going to so. get it all over with all at once. Like so I a didn't, off you know, I fast. really didn't foresee that one, Mel. This was not something that was in my ball of options. I did not think that they would fuck us this bad. So, you know, they just, they just hit the self implode button. That's what it was. Well, the funny part is that I didn't realize about it when I came into the presser, but I realized it after when I was catching up with the stuff I missed was that they're not only opening gyms, but they're opening gyms and mandating masks, but not when you're exercising. Then what's the point of a mask mandate if everyone's mouth breathing, heavy breathing over each other so in, with the airborne virus? you're just wearing a mask to the gym and then you take taking it off, it off and then... And- so this is this all comes back to what we've talked about many times, right? That COVID is airborne, and um, there's there's been a really, really, really bizarre, and I'm going to call it bizarre because I think historically it will make sense to call this that. Is that mm-hmm. there's been like a whole army of Vancouver Coastal Health t- tweeters out there that have been just putting nonsense out there about it not being airborne, and that they case interviewed and it's mostly via droplet and it's just the most bizarre stuff I've ever seen. They're like telling off genuine aerosol experts that wow. they don't know what they're talking <laughs> about. And I'm just watching this going, what do you do in 10 years when we're looking back on this? And and this is what's coming out of your facility. It's bonkers. No, I think we made national news with Stephen Quinn saying that Vancouver Coastal Health has now entered flat earther territory. Right. Because the expert I was talking about um, put them on the the shame list. They're on the shame list for having such bad protocols related to airborne that they are just so significantly failing. And let's put it in context. That's a global list. So globalist, that's embarrassing. Okay, so this is an important part, and I sort of want to put these pieces together for people because I was thinking about this earlier when I was talking to Elle, actually, is that if you look from an outside perspective at any piece, they could make an argument for what they're doing, right? But the thing about BC is they've taken the shittiest policies from each area (laughs) and blended them. It made it like every single policy is bad. So not only are we doing poor airborne, but we also have extremely restrictive PCR testing, which is not found in like any other place that's attempting Mm -hmm. to do this. Any other place that's opening up in these sorts of ways has like widespread testing and made their testing available for everybody. And it's part of the protocols for going back and reopening these things. There's like mandatory rapid tests like twice daily and those sorts of things. But BC, nah, we just cut the data. We cut all the orders. (laughs) And we say, let's go. How how is our tax dollars going to these peoples that are making these policies? That we, I don't think we've seen the peak of hospitalizations or anywhere close to what we're going to see. And we have kids dying in Canada again. Yes. We had a four-year-old die in Quebec. And we had a child in the five to nine category die in Alberta. Yes. Yesterday. Right? Like we have kids dying again. And I don't want to hear anybody say, but they had. Uh, nope. 
Not listening to those eugenics here. Yeah. Every child has value to me. Every life has value to me. That's why I do the work I do is because I believe that every person deserves dignity and respect. And I treat every person that comes through my door like that. And how dare they consider these deaths allowable? These babies of our generations, unprotected, that we let them, the under fives, are not able to have any sort of vaccine right now. It's not and only we, the under fives, it's the under twelves. Not yeah. what kid is double vaxxed right now? Not well, many. And even if you look at the stats from BC, the fully vaccinated category of two doses, you know, those are starting to creep up. And I want to put this in perspective, which Dix doesn't when he makes his posts, is that you have to remember the denominator of those groups. So even if Beth's list says there's 12 unvaccinated and 12 vaccinated the denominator for the vaccinated is like a quadrillion times bigger than the unvaccinated because there's so many more people vaccinated. So it's a teeny tiny pool, right? So if you think about it, the unvaccinated is this teeny tiny bucket and like a little bit of the water ends up in the hospital. And the vaccinated is this giant, huge like bathtub and like a tablespoon of water drops out. And those are the people in the hospital, right? So that where it's coming from, the batch, that difference is what we want to think about. And that's not what Adrian Dix is putting into context on the tweets. Okay. And and there's a lot of miscommunication still. Like people oh. are still under the impression that even though they are vaccinated, even triple vaccinated, that they, they can't spread is- the virus or they can't get sick. Yeah. Which is completely false. That's a cognigen. Yeah. You can no. spread the virus. You can still be a carrier while vaccinated, triple well, vaxxed. And you can and still get sick and get long COVID while triple vaxxed. We talked about like, People this. need to get that. We talked about why it's important not to say that it, that it changes transmissibility if it doesn't. Because this is the exact problem we're running into where people assume that vaccinated means that you can't spread it and that's not true and i've been seeing articles coming out that omicron might even be more of an asymptomatic spread than the other uh variants were which means that we have that greater proportion that's unaccounted for um so in terms of questions when i popped in the questions were going so zesman asked about parents and daycare and like people play whether people should have to pay if they're being required to like stay home two weeks and all these things and you know all the impact that's happening on communities because of these public health impacts you know Mm -hmm. what public health deals with um and henry's answer was that these are not questions that she can answer so yeah so that went well where uh she also said that (laughs) as testing strategies have changed what they're doing with omicron what strategy they, 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 they just refute. They don't grow their testing, and they're not even hitting capacity, and haven't for like how like long? Weeks, they weeks. hit capacity for like three days, and then it only went down from it. there. Because because yeah. as soon as, well, I'm pretty sure film studios came back, right? So guess yeah. what? The PCR testing went back to that, right? The data coming out about PCR testing, there was only maybe 9,700 tests done. Like barely well, any and, last and week. And Mel, the last time I saw was like, and, and like a thousand of them were children. And I was like, that's a huge portion when we know kids are barely getting tested. Mm-hmm. That's a huge chunk of them. Oh, it's just, yeah. It's, yeah, it's not great, but you know, you know, you know. Um, someone then also asked, I'm pretty sure this is what happened. Um, if it's not, somebody can tell me and I'm totally fine being wrong. And I'll say that next time. Um Someone was asking about why it was important to have that vaccination data from the teachers because, drum roll please, the useless order they did this week to make themselves look busy was saying that here's a structure for the medical health officers to ask school districts, to ask teachers if they're vaccinated or not, if the school districts and medical health officers think it's a good idea. Yeah, it was like a 13-page report with like a total waste of... Which means what? most of them are probably not going to do it. Which means it's just a structure to sit there. Why are we not already <laughs> collecting vaccination status by employment? Like, teacher, 
Ooh. Mm. They can't just hit a filter and collate that data. I don't understand. Why and, does it have to be in order? And at this point, especially since we had to do a booster, why have we not figured out a system to collect data for, on that by now? Right. And then maybe then all the teachers would get their boosters then. <laughs> Seriously. Like, we could, if they let me take over this data set, I could have this whipped up in no time. Like, we could have it ordered by things. We could filter it. Like, we could have all sorts of priority systems set up. But no, no, it's just in the data void somewhere. I don't know. I don't know. But it doesn't make schools any safer by taking data about whether teachers are vaccinated or not. Well, you no, haven't no. addressed no, ventilation no. They're not issues. Taking the or... data. They're not taking the data. There's a structure to take the data oh, if two. they decide yes. to take the data. So it's just a nothing burger. Right. Nothing There's not actually anything happening. It's just their ideas are in there in case somebody wants to use them in case something happens, which we know BC is always going to put out the fire by covering their eyes instead of dealing with it. So, But that yeah. doesn't make our school safer. Yet again, no. it does nothing. It doesn't address all the kids that just show up unmasked because their parents are anti-maskers or feel like that's what these press conferences are for is to make themselves look busy and to use words that will make most people think that they're doing something and there's an order now. Whoa, look at that, right? These are strategies. There's a reason that she has a PR person and there's a reason that I undo this PR stuff with you is that this is literally what we're doing is we're undoing the PR messaging that they're putting out. Right? Literally. Is we're just taking their statements and saying, okay, well, this is what they're trying to spin, but here's the truth of it. So she says kids can't wear masks effectively. Mel? Really? Are we back met, to this again? Has she met other places than BC? Do you think she's been outside BC? Oh yeah, she has. She's not from BC. Um, I'm unclear why she doesn't understand that there are children that wear masks. Has she met a child? Does she know any children? Do we know if she knows any children, Mel? It's I don't think she knows suspect. children. I don't think so because I know children are able to wear masks and there's other parts of the world where it's part of the culture and it's just done daily without question. And I don't understand okay. why. So let's revisit two things. You two see, things. So exceptional. I'm so glad I have my memory for this. Let's remember the first point that we've already talked about on a previous podcast. Bonnie Henry said that masks aren't part of our culture. I don't know who our is. What's, what's our culture? Because my culture is community care and it includes not getting my infected spittle on people. Right? Okay, I, I mean, I think that's good. And second of all, how does she not aware that children can wear masks from other areas, right? It happens. So her just denying that, it's like, it's so, I don't know what it is. Limited in ethnocentrism and whatever. Yeah, her, is that what it is? And that sort I of came so. out with those international health workers as well. Is that what it is that like this, this Canadian sort of elitism that's coming through with all of this? Like we're too special to wear masks. Like we, oh. But that isn't even what Canada is about. Canada is about diversity and, and multiculturalism. So whatever ethnocentrism that she ascribes to, it's not the Canada that I know. That's I not agree. Canada That's that what I mean. I Community, teach right? Children about, yeah. And and like this, the second part of that. Children learn, Mel. That's why they're in school, right? You're a teacher. Pretty sure children learn. Do we do? Do we think children are incapable of learning? Can they not learn how to wear a mask? And we could make that our culture. Is that is that wild? Is that crazy? These are just right back to the 2020 Trump literally, arguments. Yeah. Yes, literally. When they were literally verbatim. This okay. was the agitpro so that was coming out in of 2020. Them. So many names in 2020 for comparing her to Trump. But look at where we are. Boom. Called it. Okay. Let's talk about eugenics. We talked. We started this season when we we alluded that we were going to talk about eugenics and we were going to talk sure. about yeah. All, but. But what's happening right now by saying, just turning a blind eye to kids with comorbidities, saying, oh, they had pre-existing conditions. This is the exact same argument that, that, that happened 
you know, before uh, President Biden took office about kids with comorbidities Mm -hmm. just being dispensable. Do you you remember? I remember in like wave two, three, when when they wouldn't even tell us if they had a comorbidity because they said that that was privacy information and we couldn't have it. But now that we're in the herd immunity part, they're actually emphasizing that. Yeah. Well, then let's talk about what some comorbidities are. Yeah. Uh, How about being human? Anxiety. (laughs) Yeah. Did you know anxiety is a comorbidity? Oh, well, did you know that if you're a child now, you're considered categorized as immunocompromised? They just changed that definition today. That any kid that is partially vaccinated or not vaccinated or anyone that's unvaccinated is now considered immunocompromised. So guess what? If you die, that's a comorbidity. Well, and the thing is, they could call anything a comorbidity. Literally, it could be like, mm-hmm. do you have a family heart history? Yeah, my dad had a bad heart. Oh, that's a comorbidity. Yeah. Right? Like, there are a you million allergies, ways. That's a comorbidity. Right. And they can be mild. And even if people have multiple comorbidities, they can be perfectly healthy. And, like, capable of living another who knows how many years but even if they aren't are you kidding me you're telling me their life is worth less i'm gonna fight you that's called eugenics that's eugenics literally eugenics you see where i led you there oh (laughs) only healthy people that can live a long time should live no that's not the way we do things that's eugenics that's eugenics that's ableism that's deciding that a portion of our population and our society is expendable because X and Y. Boy, when the answer is none of them of are life. expendable. We don't think their quality of life is as good as ours. That's what that is, Mel. That's mm-hmm. privilege. Ooh, right? That's yeah. able privilege. Well, my quality of life is obviously so much better than yours. My life is worth more. And we've talked tell about me. this. Yeah. Tell me, what is different between someone who has a health condition and someone that doesn't in terms of their capability or meaningfulness in life? None. None. There's none. None. We are losing capable people all the time that yeah. are disabled, that are immunocompromised. Yeah. And this is a mass disabling event, what's happening right now, because guess what? Omicron's not mild. That's yet another cognigen. Okay. Like you said, it's a vascular disease. It causes demyelination in your brains. Like anytime you hear myelination and demyelination as a disease, you need to worry because that's ALS. That's like Lou Gehrig's disease, you guys. And MS too. And MS. And. Yeah, we have people just making all sorts of decisions in their brains right now about who's worth living well. I'm seeing it everywhere. And people, when I mention the words eugenics, they they give me a stare like I'm crazy. Like <laughs> like the Nazi stuff? Yeah, the Nazi stuff. Yeah. Did Fascism. they do it as are they doing it as a uh, uh openly and grossly? No, are they doing it? Yeah. That's their policy. Can you please? Okay, everyone, let's start at ground zero here, okay? We have a public health agency that's job is to ensure equity of public health. And they are choosing to make policies and tell us that those policies will kill the compromised, but it's worth it for societal benefit. That's fascism. Right. So, so we're saying that... Portion of the people get to decide that they're killing off another portion of the people because they want to go about life. And these people are less worthy of living because they're disabled and compromised and too bad. That's eugenics. And that's what we already did in Canada time and time again. We've sterilized our disabled, we have put them in poverty we have taken their children from them we've taken their ability to get married and have the benefits from that right like there's all sorts of things that are related and 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 intersectional things that are related and some things that we've talked about but it is so so painfully ironic mel painfully ironic that the those with the most pre-existing harm done to them 
in our communities are the same people that are being harmed by these policies. Because right? they're the most vulnerable, the most marginalized. The, people, the most marginalized are the most harmed. And the whole point at the beginning they said of this was to what? What did they say was the point of the entire pandemic response? Protect the healthcare system and to protect the vulnerable. Have they done either of those, Mel? No, it sounds like our, no, our vulnerable are still more vulnerable and our healthcare system is about to implode. Right. So I'm hearing from doctors definitely in in the island that's not good in Vancouver region. Um, But more than that, I heard from someone today actually and and I wanted to disclose this on the podcast because I think it's something that people need to know because Mel you know I'm very good at at thinking about the future this is all I do is I am spinning things in my head and trying to see what's going to happen and trying to understand that's what I do for my job it's what I enjoy doing I am blank about what happens next I don't even know terrifying i don't even know because i don't think i've experienced what comes next and i don't know what that means Hmm. i am scared yeah i am scared and i worry um but anyway the point of that was that this uh, person approached me that i trust and 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 we've we've talked to them before actually on here Mm-hmm. And um, the first thing they said, and, and they're involved in the school, so I'll I'll think that they know enough about this, is that um, that there's a lot of schools that are, are, there's no staff left to come and substitute in. So everything's getting pretty close to functional closure. Like many, many. I'm not surprised. Ontario is calling in unregistered and unchecked unvetted adults to nope. Nope. go into the nope. schools in Ontario. <sighs> yeah, because because it's not about teaching, right? It's about caregiving. And yeah. if we'd been honest about that and they would have upgraded the things, things could mm-hmm. have been very different now. Yeah. We could have avoided this functional closure cuz like we're going to lose our public education system. Oh, right, because you, like, again, the morale, you just continued to beat everybody when they were down, and, like, to continue to do this even now is just as the hospitals are going down is true cruelty. True cruelty. Whipping Um, the whip harder is not management, you guys. I don't know how, where the hell you went to management school or leadership, like, but my God, whipping the whip harder doesn't help your people perform better. And I'll move on to the next part of what he told me, which is the more important part to me that I wanted to talk about, which was regarding long-term care, unfortunately, um, is that we know that there's a lot of outbreaks in long-term care, but they're really not talking about a lot of it. But from this person uh, telling me and from the area they're in, I can expect it's going to be quite widespread soon is that um, they're out of staff and they're calling family members in now to take care of their loved ones. Um, so wow. this person was essentially called in to take care of their mother, who is unfortunately COVID positive. Oh, no. So I think that's something for people to know that that is a possibility, you know, because yeah. lots of people don't, you know, wouldn't even they're not prepared for these things. Because in what world do we think that our long term care home is going to call and say, there's nobody to take care of your mother. Can you come in? Mm-hmm. your sick mother with COVID, yeah. right? That that's something that we have to be mentally prepared for. Because also, if we remember a lot of the time in the beginning, and this included, um, you know, the serious wave that my grandma died in is that they didn't send a lot of the long-term care residents to hospital in the first place. That's they didn't right. get extraordinary measures. They just died in long-term care, including that's how my grandma died. Right. Is there was no extraordinary measures for people in those homes. There was just dying. Yeah. And Ontario was running out of dexamethasone, the 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 yes. treatment, that steroid treatment for COVID. Yes. You know, that, that lets you breathe, essentially. Hopefully we won't be as problematic with Omicron, but who knows? 
who knows? That's the joy, Mel, right? We rolled the dice and we are here still watching it play out. And unfortunately, it's pretty ugly. It's ugly. The South African data coming out about excess deaths is like... Right. Right. 130% because, excess and then 25% excess in deaths overall. But Mel, like we already knew that out. South Africa had issues with death counting. We knew this. We knew all of the things that are coming out. This mm-hmm. is what's so annoying at this point is like it, all of it was just screamed at the top of our lungs. And not only was it screamed, but we were already tired when we were screaming that. And here we are with the worst place we've sort of been at. And, and that's because... We have capacity at the hospital. The beds aren't full, Mel. What is the problem that I've been talking about since the day we started this podcast when I said this is what was going to happen exactly whatever day we started? I'm pretty sure the first day we started, what did I say was the problem? It's not beds. It's the people. We're going to lose people. people. We're going to lose. We're going to have no one there to attend the beds. Right. Because you keep kicking morale. And you can hire all you want, dicks, but if they don't retain, you're shit out of luck. And you have treated them so poorly. Why would they stay? I would like to hear dicks tell me why those workers should stay. He's a minister of health. He's been giving himself all the accolades for all the healthcare system is doing. Well, get up there and tell those workers why they should stay. You talked about retention last time. Tell us how you're going to retain them, how you value them, because I'd love to hear it. Especially while they're neck deep in it. You tell them how valued they are and how you showed that to them. I'm just trying to visualize how our infrastructure is going to collapse just simply from the lack of human resources available to run you, said infrastructure. Well, and it's not just hospitals. That's the thing. That's what exactly. people are realizing now. It's not just hospitals. It's not just hospitals. It's it's our groceries. It's well, and it's our also transport. the places that were the most essential that they didn't protect. Hospitals yeah. and schools. And long-term care, the places that were supposed to be the most protected and have, you know, none of them have mandatory N95s. No. So this let it rip, like, attitude is just... This is it, Mel. This is the plan. We're not going to shy away from saying that. This is the plan. This was what they said. This is their acceptable. They're okay with this. So let's not pretend they're not. Yeah, they're okay with our infrastructure collapsing. Because they wanted to take a chance and they still think that somehow they can just squeak by. So they actually just are doing whatever they can to survive and they don't actually care what's happening to us. Because who in their right mind would get up there and read scripted things right now? Honestly, what kind of leader would do that? Where's the leader with integrity that gets up there and talks to the people that are struggling, that need community, that need to come together? Where's that voice? Because I don't see it anywhere. I see people reading canned phrases and rhymes and someone telling me it's mild and not mild in the same presser and refusing to answer questions. Where's our leaders? Right? I don't see any of them. And that's why people are so panicked and stressed. It's because there's a lack of leadership going on in a crisis situation, ongoing crisis situation that creates more crises on top of crises in in an echo chamber effect and a feedback loop. And you know what you need in community? You know what you need in crises? Community. Community. You need community because it is the worst that you're going to get through. And the only way you get through that is with those that survive around you. But they refuse to let community build in this way. And and engaging community is kind of what a circuit breaker looks like. Because you can't engage a circuit breaker without engaging community. But yet they choose not to take a circuit breaker option to sort of blunt the impact that's coming. But they're just going to let it rip. Which makes no sense because 
you cannot gain herd immunity with Omicron. What makes reinfection. You... I've already seen people talking about reinfection with Omicron. Yeah, already and then seen there's it. another variant, like a, a Omicron B variant coming out. Like, why would you think that this virus behaves any differently from any of the other viruses, the SARS-CoV-2 viruses that we've watched over the last two years? Why would you think this is a different Pokemon and would just stop Oh, but evolving? Mel, she doesn't. She said that today. She said she just hopes we'll be able to manage future COVID. Yeah, hope is not a plan. That's what that's she said. She said she hopes we'll be able to manage the future, whatever happens. Like, the data coming out of Israel is terrifying. They're saying even a fourth booster is kind of ineffective against Omicron right now. You know, the problem now that I thought we were going to have, and I'm still worried about having the next couple weeks, is that even if it is less severe than Delta was, and that's what this means is that it's less severe than delta was it's not mild and we talked about this last podcast is that it's it was mild compared to delta but not compared to wild covid and i made that distinction last time and this is why i'm going to stop calling mild and call it less severe now Mm -hmm. is that even if it is less severe the scope of the spread and the 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 rapidness with which it happened 1% of 20,000 children is a lot of children, Mm -hmm. especially in a couple weeks. Um, And to be honest, I don't care what number I put there. None of it will be good enough because they didn't do everything they could do to prevent it. Yeah, they refused to attack that it's airborne. They didn't do the basic things that they could have done. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that's astounding from a public health perspective, the failure that happened there. It it truly is. And it, it it's astounding that that they continue to say, you know, even that it's mild in long-term care now with all these outbreaks and that we're getting back to normal and and this is going to help the people that are in those care homes but they're just left to die you know they're saying that omicron is mild okay even if omicron is less severe on these homes because they're vaccinated you're forgetting to tell us and forgetting to mention there's no staff and they still don't get care if there's no staff which is why I made a post two weeks ago that all these people that belie- believe in her- herd immunity should go volunteer at the care homes then. Mm-hmm. And here's your time. Here's your time. Just like I said, they're out of workers. Roll up your damn sleeves and go earn your keep. This is what you wanted. You can go empty bedpans. They will need any help they can get. I guarantee it. When things get bad, they'll take any help they can get. So if you loved this idea of herd immunity, go earn it. Please. Because family members are being called in to do that now for you while you go to the gym. So they were asked about the fully vaccinated category and how they it's not, they haven't changed it in BC and what Henry... <laughs> At least she was honest. I'll give her that for this. Here's my pro-Henry moment of the day. I try to have one every presser is that she was honest about this. Is She essentially said that they haven't boosted everyone, so they're not changing fully vaccinated to three to three doses yet. Yeah, they can't. <laughs> right. So even though it, it is three doses to be fully vaccinated, they are very behind on boosters and don't want to say that yet. Mm-hmm. So those numbers are for fully vaccinated in the uh, tables that they're giving on Twitter with the ICU numbers and stuff. That's two doses that they're calling fully vaccinated. Um, And we know that two doses isn't quite as effective. Well, and especially not in the 60 older crowd, especially not in the 60 older crowd is that again, 
um, we're going to run into this problem, right, is that it tapers off for the older populations generally because they have a less robust immune system. So when they mm -hmm. get their vaccines, they don't get as much of a, an, an immune reaction from it and they don't get as much from it. So then they're not as protected for as long as other people are. This thing we were talking about, we talked about this too, the, the stupid medication that they kept talking about, you know, that the early, the early medication we were talking about, how it was going to help if we don't have any testing or diagnosis. Well, Henry said there's those new antivirals um, and Tam commented it's going to those at risk. So Henry was asked uh, what's happening because that includes the unvaccinated and what does that mean if there's like older vaccinated people, are they not going to get treatment? over an, an unvaccinated person, even if they chose it. And she pretty much like shrugged and said it's challenging. <laughs> but this was also the same medication she said like last week early presser, I think that was going to like change our pandemic response, which is interesting now considering we have a low supply and everybody can't get it anyway. And there's no testing or diagnosis to get it. And she said today you need it within five days of onset. Yeah great there's this new antivirals by Pfizer but we can't get it we can't get our hands on it much like a booster much like right so the medication the medication with limited supply that Henry said would save us has to be started within five days of onset which you need testing and diagnosis for yeah so how are you going to get this medication if you can't even get tested or diagnosed Correct. So then here comes Dix, um, who's asked, how close are we to this edge? Can we absorb more in the hospital um, before the field hospital? Again, we said this last time, if the field hospital's empty, it's not going to help anyone. And he said that we have capacity. The issue isn't capacity. Well, what is the capacity, Mill? <laughs> Again, people people who is available and, and right now I don't think and the ranks are very big. If you had looked at any of the literature Minister of Health on what it happens with burnout you are going to be getting sick more often. Stress kills your immune system, Dix. These people have been perpetually stressed for two years. Burned right? out. They're burned out. And they're going to get sick and it's probably going to last longer and it's going to probably be harder for them to get motivated to come back to work. Like all these things that were foreseeable. Um, regarding long-term outbreaks, there was a question about it because someone asked if there was a bunch of cases, but it wasn't reported as an outbreak. And Henry pretty much said, yeah, we've modified and adapted. What she means there, not that they've modified and adapted measures because they haven't or testing. They've modified and adapted reporting outbreaks. Meaning they are not reporting it. Correct. So if they don't think the cases are linked, they don't report the LTC outbreak, which was not the case before where one case triggered an outbreak. So they did modify and adapt to giving us less information again. So, you know. Cool. Let her rip and turn the lights off. Yep. That's the hardest part. That's what makes me real mad. I was like, if you're going to be fucking assholes, fine. I can deal with assholes. I deal with them all day. The fucking lying. It kills me. It kills me. Own your shit, you fucking cowards. Own it. But that's why they read off script, I guess. Yeah. Because they, they can't answer for themselves. They are true cowards. They hide in an empty room with empty seats speaking to a camera. While people, people's family members get called in to stay with their sick folks and nurses work triple shifts and they tell them that they're whelmed, that it's fine, that it's time to open gyms, but we don't need N95s. And Henry says that we are dampening transmission without the draconian measures here in BC. That's our goal. This is their goal, Mel. This treatment of the marginalized communities, this is the ugliest face we could wear, and it's ours. Right? This is BC's face, and it's ripped off the mask. And it's an ugly one, and a lot of people are having trouble facing it. But this is our entitlement. <laughs> 
right? This is BC entitlement. I've seen it my whole life. I spent my whole life there. You know, to think that we're better than this or that we get to just have our lifestyle and don't have to give anything up. God, that's BC entitlement. And I loved BC. I loved living there. I loved the people. But I honestly, this government now, all four generations of my family are at risk and they do not care if they wipe my entire existence off this planet. My grandmother has died. Wow. There's three left. And they don't care that the remaining three are at risk. They could wipe my entire family off this planet and they would not care. That would be the cost of doing business. That would be the cost of the economy. I am a statistic. My grandmother was a statistic. I got no words. <laughs> because there are none. We didn't think we'd be here, right? That's why I said I draw a blank, that it's empty when I try to think about what's going to happen is because this version of government really wasn't, it just wasn't there, Mel. I didn't think that this is what could happen. But they've gone full 1984. Like, if you guys haven't read right. George Orwell's 1984, please get a copy. That This is it. This is them being mini-true, speaking, double-speak, and and telling you this. they're going to go ahead with eugenics and everyone should be fine and happy with it, and then right. pretending and that, that they're not doing it. It's that old quote, right, that people always say, it's first they came for, mm -hmm. right? Right? And, and the... Uh, People always have such fear about making comparisons about that time in Germany and about World War II. But the reason, uh, you know, people are so afraid is they're defensive. Why are you defensive? It happened. And if the policies are similar, we need to look at that, not be afraid of that. But this is what it is. This is Canada showing you we're not ready for reconciliation. We still have our knees on their neck. Boots on their faces, actually, is what George Orwell wrote. If you ever want to see what authoritarianism looks like, it's a boot on someone's face. They have taken the most marginalized and they have thrown them out to die this time. Right? And this includes those struggling with the opioid crisis. This includes those already in poverty. This includes the indigenous peoples. All the people that they were already harming, public health came up and said, fuck you. That's what BC did. How, like, that's horrifying when I think about that. About how that will be viewed. Especially coming off of... 2020 and all the children that were found and all the lessons we were supposed to learn and then this is we took all that knowledge and this is what we did with it oh well uh we gotta go skiing at whistler we have to have our dine out vancouver we have to you know have our lifestyle in our million dollar homes driving our million dollar lifestyle and Smoking our, our bc bud and but like really at the expense of what we're gonna have a bunch of dead kids and our infrastructure is gonna crumble is it we're gonna look back at this as the biggest failure ever that and you know i don't know if you guys know this but if you break things delicate things critical things they don't come back right away Nope. It doesn't just snap back and gets fixed just like that. When you sometimes when you break things, they stay broken. Right. And, and maybe think... maybe that's like maybe that's why they, they don't get it. The entitlement. These are it's like a bunch of entitled kids. They it's also don't a get it. Exceptionalism, right? This yeah. exceptionalism that despite despite example after example of societal collapse and the things that led to it and the lessons we have learned that we can still repeat the process and look at the examples and be like no not us not us not this time won't be us 
we thought that because somehow we're a technology society that because we have you know the smart people things that we won't collapse ourselves ah. they're doing we don't all need the computers things to collapse uh, ourselves no you can just simple stupid human error you can collapse yourselves Not i mean error mel but it's deliberate selfishness. selfishness poor policy if anyone's ever read collapse it's an actual book called collapse by professor dr jared diamond and he analyzes Ooh, yeah. Yeah. the collapse of every major civilization in history yeah. We're heading there because we're making all the poor choices where things just will not regenerate back that we think it's going to regenerate back. Like we're, we are driving our infrastructure society to the point of breaking and knowing, no, it is broken. It's breaking. And you think that it's just going to magically fix itself. It doesn't. It doesn't. Well, and you don't realize that if you kill or maim a significant portion of the people that you step on every day to live your damn lifestyle, that you're not going to get to live it anymore. That it's coming for you. That that list of comorbidities is really fucking long, Mel. And I can guarantee you a lot of the herd immunity folk fall on it. They welcomed it. So they can reap the reward. And I would like them now to go volunteer in long-term care, like I said. To go be a, a caregiver in the school. You go sit with those 30 kids since you think schools need to be open. I'm sure there's lots of those moms that wanted schools open that dropped their kids off that are super privileged. Well, you go sit in the school then and watch them. You wanted schools open and you want to keep going. But when the teachers are sick that you threw away, you go do it. Right, we're at that point, Mel. Mm -hmm. I know that's, that's, it feels unreal, to be honest. It feels, maybe it's very surreal right now. This, this sort of place that we're in, this precipice. I was talking to someone earlier and I said, are we in, have we dropped in the hole? Are we on the edge? I don't, I can't even tell where we are in the scheme of it. I think we're like holding on by like a vine root. <laughs> While dangling over the precipice, Indiana Jones style. I think that's where we're at right now. And the roots just sort of slipping out of our hands slowly. Well, and there was an article written today by one of the my Twitter friends. I don't know how to say her name, if it's Lisa or Lisa, or I'm going to have to get her to tell me um, so that I can say it properly. But um, she wrote an article about her and her uh, daughter, Evelyn. And uh, she's a five-year-old with uh, comorbidities, you know, from living and being a child, including a congenital heart issue. But she essentially went through the uh, how these policies relate to eugenics and, and what it's been like for her and her daughter to experience this. But I wanted to read the last stat she had because um, it relates to sort of what we've been saying about people liking to use numbers. Um, so her quote is... If you have ever been, a, so the last quote she said before that was that most will be okay, right? That's what they keep telling us, most will be okay. So if you've ever been a statistic, loved a person attached to so many statistics, been witness to one in a thousand, one in ten thousand, or one in a million individual, you know that most means shit. Right? It's most yeah. until it's your person. Everyone is someone's person. Everyone deserves life. How are we deciding? How are, are they deciding? Because I am not deciding this and I refuse to consent to this. That we will sacrifice children such as Evelyn for our society. I don't want that society. I reject it. I call upon a society that protects all of its children. All of them, because they have equal value. And that is not where we are, Mel. No. 
And you know why? Because most people don't think very hard or deep. I think the word is deep. Most people, when they have an inconvenient truth presented to them or an uncomfortable thought, they get the, you're right, they get defensive and they try to deflect or they deal with unhealthy coping coping mechanisms such as you know alcoholism or or whatever their vice may be but it's the whole purpose is just to not think about it right like don't think about it did you know that a law passed today in the united states somewhere in i think it was somewhere in like the midwest but a white person shouldn't feel uncomfortable when they're being presented (laughs) with historical truths. Yes, it's about the, uh, uh, oh God, what is it called? They they have a word for it. Critical race theory. Critical race theory. theory. Which is an actual legal theory which has nothing to do with what they're teaching in schools. Let me just preface that. They're literally just teaching about history and they're they're saying that this is critical race history. Yeah, and then now now there's a law passed somewhere in the U.S. Saying that white people enslaved black people is not critical race theory. That's just fact. That's just facts and truth. But now there's a law saying that if white people get uncomfortable, that now it's against the law to talk about it. Yeah. That just passed today. You want to talk about <laughs> rewriting history? Collapse. Yeah, Are and thought policing. It's really weird to be in this time, Mel. Right? Holy this is thought smart. policing. Well, so and what? even what's even weirder is the people that just choose to ignore the really bad parts of it. They're just like, no, it's all good. I got we're my both, avocado we're both, toast. We're both pandemic to life. Like, that's it. And, and man, you know, I got friends doing their thing. They do them. I don't judge them for that. Everybody has a different mental capacity, to be honest, Mel. And I know yes. that. And I know that I've had a very hard upbringing. And that has resulted in me having a very big tolerance, right? A big emotional mm-hmm. tolerance of dealing with things. Um, and a lot of people don't. Right. And a lot of people and I mean this genuinely and I'm not mocking people is that this pandemic is the hardest thing they've ever dealt with, like having to be away from their family, having to be away from their friends, having to take time off work. Um, but th- this is the hardest thing that it's been for them. Yeah, because so they I don't have the endurance and resilience. Yes. Right. Is that we have not bred resilience. We've bred entitlement. And there's in the problem right there. But yep. even so, even if that's the case. The fact is, is that you can still have that thought, but you have to recognize that you are saying that your want outweighs my life. That's what you're saying. And if you're going to say that, as I always say, fucking own it. But they won't because they're entitled. There's no accountability. That's the whole point of entitlement. There's no accountability. Yeah. And people like Henry are helping it right along. We have essentially policies that are going to have eugenic outcomes uh, currently, mm-hmm. presently. Yeah. Presently. And eugenics and death, guys, that's permanent. That's permanent. It's permanent. There's when you no. Die, it's permanent. It's permanent. Your decisions and the deaths and the consequences that you cause from your decisions, that's permanent. Right. So when they keep saying, which they've said every wave now, no, we don't need to worry about this now. We'll talk about it in the future. Well, no, because the dead people are dead. Right? This isn't a discussion that they can have with you in six months and wait for your email to come back because they're just dead. Yeah, this is not a sit tight and assess situation. Right. This This isn't a sit quiet, speak nicely, speak the way I want to. No, this is a... I'm going to claw eyes out because I'm trying to fucking live. Right? This is the entitlement and lack of accountability. People kill you and you don't fight back. Fuck that. Right? They're telling you to be quiet and be calm and die quietly. This is 
this is my conceptualization of it and, and nobody has to agree, but this is sort of, this is how I think about it is that um, society is run in uh, X way. Privileged people tell the poor people what to do, the marginalized what to do. They do it because they need to survive. That's X situation, right? For all of mm-hmm. time. We are now in this situation where they are aware that privileged people are saying, you have to die, but not even just die for survive, like just for, for me to like, for society to run, but die for me to go to the gym. Openly saying that. And what the people over here, what the people are asking for is simple protection, right? They're like, I, I'm not trying to stop you from going to the gym, man. I literally just don't want to die, man. Just don't want to die. Right? So now the privilege or now the vulnerable are in this position. And and this is how I conceptualize it is vulnerable people are at the place, or at least that's where I feel, is that we're told that okay, the option is that you die for me to be okay. That's your only option now. It's not that we can be safe, which is what I want. I want everybody mm. to be safe and everybody to do what they want to do. That's my goal, but that's not their goal. Their goal is only that goal that the privileged survive. So now my options have become two options, Mel, if that's the case. The option is to let them kill me or the option is to kill them. It's about survival. Right. And I'm not I'm saying this metaphorically, clearly, Um, but because it's about survival in that circumstance, because if you are literally telling me that that you don't care, that my choice is to die. Without protection, because you're not willing to protect us all, or I can try to fight back and either save myself or take you down with me. I choose the latter. Seems more fun. I'm going to take them down with me, right? Like, I'm not I'm not going to just let them let me die. I'm not just going to let them let my communities die. I'm going to take them down with me. And for me, that looks like making sure that the professionals that are involved in this have accountability for their actions. Making sure that the systems involved in this have accountability for their actions. Even if they're failing, I don't care. Because if I'm going to die anyway, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. What's so ludicrous and surreal about having even having to get to this point is that had they acknowledged that COVID was airborne from the beginning, just by following simple science and physics, this yep. could have been all prevented. Right. This you summer, are, last summer, they could have been upgrading everything. everything. Could have been upgrading everything. You've had two years to upgrade shit. The fact is that if you had acknowledged this from the beginning and followed the proper science, you still could have gyms. You still could have bars. You still could have right. malls. None of us wanted people. to take that. We all wanted schools. We said this. We, we said we wanted schools. open schools. Like, there's other countries out there that are completely functioning and not having infrastructure implode. Yes. We have friends text us from other countries that are like, what is happening in yeah. Canada right now? And I'm like, dude... I don't know, man. It's really embarrassing. It's We're really no travel lists for the Americans right now. They're saying try okay, to avoid sort of going to Canada. Because, you know, because we have such a lot. raging Omicron problem. Yeah. Well, I mean, we just Western Canada let it just fly, right? Like we just we really just and it's it's really actually interesting because Ontario and Quebec are are behind us now mm-hmm. and watching them fight so loud, I'm like holy smokes how is it how is this it's everywhere it's not just us in bc it really is yeah. everywhere um yeah. it's just bc's literally the worst offender <laughs> they they've literally taken all the bad pieces of all the p- other provinces and put all of them together in our plan alberta is a, a close behind but um still have some systems in place that haven't collapsed but you know it's just not a good situation and and I wish it was a better situation and that's sort of what I was getting to is that we're at that conversation where it's like well if it's my survival or your survival 
yes, you're uncomfortable because the story has always been that you survive. But I'm writing my own fucking story, bro. <laughs> right? And that's making them very uncomfortable. That's what makes them uncomfortable. Is that I stand up and say, well, no. Why do I have to die? How about you die instead? <laughs> it was your turn. I no, insist. Man. You I know, insist. the people who are like, well, open the schools. I'm like, okay, you send your kid first. Let's send your kids first on mass and let's see how it goes. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. You can volunteer your kid as tribute to be the dead one. Great. Thanks. Write it down. Right? And they're like, whoa, but but you're being so cavalier. And I'm like, yeah. Welcome. That's what you're saying every fucking day to the people that are vulnerable. Why don't you write your kid's name? They can be the dead one, right? This is what we're saying. We're just deciding, right? Well, I get to decide now. Your kid, your turn. Boo, go. Right? Seems absurd, right? Seems absurd? Seems absurd to me, too, that people are saying that about my kid. Seems absurd to me, too. You know, Kathy and Andrea have been inputting that data for school exposures since till four in the morning. Like, my goodness, those ladies, Canada owes them a debt of gratitude. BC parents are besides themselves. There's been over 1,043 exposures just in this year alone. I know. There's one school I heard of, like, 100 cases at one yeah. school. And they're, and they're only getting self-reported data. That's yeah, the I'm, crazy kids part. aren't being tested. Kids aren't being tested. Kids aren't being tested. How many times can I say that? This is like, this is how much is hitting and kids aren't being tested. I, I'm so scared for them now, to be honest. Like I, I, I hope that there's not severe long-term effects. And I look to history and the fact that we rolled this dice is so sad for this children for these children, for this generation. It's so sad. It's like there was a polio pandemic and then the people in power just decided just to let all the kids get polio. Not all the kids. Not all the kids, Mel. The ones who are not privileged enough to be able to shelter. Correct. And they have said, they've stood up there and said that not everything will end up with the same protocols. Yeah, we knew that. We knew the social determinants of health. And we know the kids that are going to be the ones hit. And we knew that they were the ones that already had the most pre-existing conditions. Like, we knew all this. We had the data before the pandemic ever hit. We didn't need the pandemic data to say that. Yeah, they still have the gall to say we're all in the same boat. No, some of you are in a yacht with a crew and servants. And some of us got thrown a floaty. Got a floaty and some are just treading water. Yeah. Okay. You go tell that to the parent, the single parent with a special needs kids at home. Or not at home because they literally for their sanity send them to school. And I judge nobody mm-hmm. for whatever scenario they're dealing with school. The point was that those privileged enough to keep them home should. Never that people in desperate situations should be desperate. The point is, is to let everybody have a choice, not to take away choice from people. And these people have no choice, any. Right? Like, no options are being offered. Well, and Mel, I think to something as simple as a mom who's had, say, ministry involvement, that if she doesn't send her kid to school and they make a, a problem for her, that she could be in trouble with the ministry, right? That if it's one of those schools that thinks that COVID's not a big deal and that they should be sending their kid and starts trouble for them, what choice do that does that mom have? Truly, no, she's they don't sending have her any. child under duress. Like, is, how they have no social capital to yeah. operate in that. They have been forced into that situation by this, and this is the problem with those policies: is that those with the least choice have even less. And they can come to even more harm now, which is truly just heartbreaking. And all we can do is what we've been doing, which is being truthful about it and trying to undo the lies that they do 
and that will never feel good enough. And it's all I can do. And record history. Yeah. Not history, truth. History changes depending who's writing on it. Mm -hmm. So with that. We'll I say good night. <laughs> Friday presser, I guess, and see what they say then. But we'll just see what happens. It's, it's a slow moving train wreck and you can't look away. Mm -hmm. Can't look away because it's happening. We're on right the train, right Mel. We don't have a choice. Isn't that horrible? We're not watching the train. We're on it. We're on the train. Everyone in Canada is on a train. Right. On you collision. Can't. Yeah. You can't just get off the train now. And we didn't even choose the destination. Right. So. We'll see what happens in a couple days and we keep doing what we're doing. And I hope that everybody can stay safe in the meantime. That's it for tonight. Thanks for listening. Ta. Bye.